0: We thank the Lord that all who come to him in faith are truly righteous for the sake of Christ are declared righteous and washed clean. And so, remembering that, we move to our passage today, Colossians 3, the verses 1 to 11, after which we will read our text for today, which is the verses 12 to 17. In the previous chapters, it's been describing how we have been raised up with Christ, how Christ suffered and died and how he took all of our sins and nailed them to the cross. And it's in light of that that our passage today speaks, Colossians 3, which you can find on page 1354 of your pew Bible. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above and not on things of the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory, therefore Put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming on the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all of these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. And here we come to our text for today. Therefore, as the elect of God, Holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So far, the word of God. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, do you love the Christ of your church? Do you love Jesus Christ? Then Colossians is the book for you. Where letters like Ephesians speak about the beautiful way that God works with the church, Colossians focuses on the beauty of Christ himself. The Apostle Paul has spent the whole letter describing Christ with wonder and with awe. In chapter one, he speaks eloquently of Christ's preeminence, how he is first and foremost, how he is over all of creation. He speaks of the powerful working of Christ through his church, including through the Apostle Paul himself. In chapter 2, he has spoken of Christ's suffering and death and how his suffering and death breaks the legal demands of the law and how a life of fear no more has hold over you. He speaks of how you are new people in him because of his work. And now in chapter 3, he teaches how your life is hidden in Christ with God. For those who have put their faith in him, it's a sure thing. And the next thing that he addresses here in our passage is if all this is true, how then are you to live? How does this shape your character and the way that you interact with the world? We'll look at this under the following theme and points. The character of a new man or a new woman or boy or girl. First of all, rooted in the love of Christ. Second, reflecting the virtues of Christ. And third, living in response to Christ. So first of all, in order to know where our love is going, we first have to know where it comes from. The love of Christ is what shapes us. The love of Christ is what changes our character. And this has to be the foundation that we move forward from. This is the very foundation that the Apostle Paul himself lays out as well. In verse 12 we read, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, the chosen people of God, holy and dearly loved, this phrase that's mentioned here in verse 12 is where everything that follows finds its roots. That we are chosen, that we are holy, and all of this is because we are dearly loved. Everything that follows then in response to that also has love in verse 14 as a thing that ties it together. So what is God teaching us through these bookends? A true sacrificial love for each other needs to be rooted in something deeper than ourselves. Today we live in a society in which love is something that's just fleeting, something that's here today and gone tomorrow. We see these in the, this in the words, falling in love, as if it's something that you can fall out of again. We can see this in our love for smaller things like hobbies and the fact that we move on from them. There is a limited staying power in loves like that. Why? Because when we approach love from this perspective, it's a love that's rooted inside of ourselves. It's grounded in our emotions, how we feel. It's a love that doesn't really take into account the hard days, a love that needs to be fed by what my hobby or what another person does for me, what another person thinks of me, what another person feels for me and how I feel on a particular day. And if all of that comes together in a negative way, then it's a lot easier just to lay it aside and to move on and to focus on the other things that we feel better about. But that's not the kind of love that believers are called to in our passage today. Those who, are call, those who love God are called to a love that is fed not by something inside of themselves, but that is fed by something outside of themselves. It might seem strange to think that love between two people has to begin outside of yourself, but that's exactly what God describes to us in His Word. We see this further described in 1 John 4 verse 19 where it says, we love because he first loved us. It's the fact that we are God's people, holy and beloved. And out of that love, that we love others. This love is an unshakable love. Because it's a love that has touched you from eternity, before you had done anything, whether it be good or bad. You were elect, you were chosen. It's a love based not on how good you are, but on the fact that he chose to set his love on you. And that's what the Apostle Paul is talking about when he describes those in the Colossian church as the elect of God. Holy and dearly loved. The fact that it is based off of God's eternal choice, that it comes from outside of yourself, means that nobody can take that away from you. The Apostle Paul further describes this choice and love and how that works together in Ephesians 1 verse 4, where it says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us. This love is a love that transcends time and space and understanding. This is what shapes your identity. This is what makes you who you are. This love was set upon you as he chose you. And this love is also what makes you holy which is to say, set apart. In his love, he didn't choose you because you are holy. He didn't choose you because you stood out above and beyond everybody else. But he chose you and he makes you holy. You are chosen and holy. Again, going back to Ephesians 4, he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, not because we are holy and blameless in his sight. This is who you are. This is what your love comes out of. In Christ, you are chosen, holy, and dearly loved. As you embrace your identity, It makes you eager to put off the things that you identified with before. The language here is like taking off an old and filthy-smelling piece of clothing. You're eager to take it off. You don't want it on you anymore. Verse 8, anger, wrath, malice, and more. And you put on your new identity, your new man. You put on the new fresh, crisp, clean clothing that is freely given you in Christ. You put on Christ Himself. This is why we need to understand that it is the love of Christ that is the source of everything that follows because where our love doesn't have any staying power, this eternal love is the source of everything that follows and must be the source of everything that follows. Where our love doesn't have any staying power, Christ's love does. And his love feeds our love, making us eager to change. But to change to be like what? This brings us to the second thing that we'll consider today. To change to be like Christ. In the verses that follow, the Apostle Paul describes some of the virtues of Of Christ, some of the things that defined who Christ was here on earth as He worked and walked and loved among us. This love of Christ leads to compassion. In Matthew 9, verse 36, we saw when He saw the crowds, He was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered. Like sheep having no shepherd. Loved ones, there will be days when you run into difficulties, when you struggle with hopelessness and with weariness. In these days, look to Christ and remember his love for the weary and the scattered, his love for you. And as you join together in weariness, reflect his love bringing it to each other love sees the weariness of people without hope and acts to bring them hope it reminds them of the promises of grace it reminds them that jesus comes to the weary and as you bring christ's compassion to your weary spouse friend family member you will see how he brings healing where he grows. It leads to kindness. Luke 6, verses 35 to 36, he teaches, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the unthankful and the evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. This kindness looks beyond unthankfulness and expects nothing in return. There will be days when you think you are pouring out your heart for someone and it feels like you're getting nothing in return. Here he teaches us that we can look beyond and we can remember the one who chose us and loved us. Christ selflessly offered himself for you and me who put our faith in Him. And though so often unthankful and so often responding with evil, His love is merciful, and His kindness responds with redemption and grace. And so too, He enables us to do the same. Even on our worst days, when we feel like we are being responded to with thanklessness, His love continues to lead us to persist in kindness It leads to humility. Philippians 2, verse 8, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Christ himself modeled the greatest servant-heartedness, humbling himself to the point of death on the cross, coming down from his divine glory and choosing to do so. He did this for the undeserving. He humbled himself. And as we remember this, we are given by him the strength to humble ourselves before each other as well, seeking to serve each other, putting aside our pride. Relationships grounded in humility and service of each other are a great reflection of the love that we have been shown. It leads to gentleness. Interestingly, the word for gentleness here is described in this way. It's a behavior, a way of acting that comes out of not being overly oppressed by a sense of one's self-importance. A way of acting that comes out of not being overly impressed by a sense of one's own importance. This is an action that comes out very similar to coming, the one that comes out of humility. If that shapes your actions with each other, you will truly be able to be gentle. Here too, you can remember the words of Jesus in Matthew 11 verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Love leads you to guide and encourage your spouse, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your friends, or family members to Jesus, the gentlest one of all. Now, this doesn't mean that you are a pushover for sin either. After he came in gentleness, riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, that symbol of peace. He promptly confronted the money changers in the temple. There are times when we do need to confront sin in each other. Times when difficulties need to be faced, and this can be hard. But after sin is confronted, grace leads the sinner to Jesus in his gentleness and love. and reminds the sinner. It reminds your spouse, your friend, your family, yourself. that a bruised reed he will not break, a smoldering wick he will not quench. Matthew 12, verse 10. A humbled sinner, a repentant sinner, is received in gentleness and love by our Lord and by ourselves, by his grace. It leads to patience. Our Lord Jesus Christ is patient even with the worst of sinners. Think of the Apostle Paul. This would have been at the forefront of his mind as he's writing this. The Apostle Paul, who was on his way to Damascus in order to destroy the church of Christ, and Christ knocks him off his horse in a blaze of glory and light and could have destroyed him there in an instant. He could have. And yet, the Lord was so patient. Think of yourself in various stages of your life as well. Any of us who think about our own lives with any depth can remember how much patience was needed in order to deal with us at various stages of our own lives. And how he still is so patient. So too, as we become aware of this, this overflows into each other's lives as well. And leads us to step back and to remember to reflect the same patience ourselves as we've been dealt with so patiently. And Christ also gives us the strength to continue to grow in patience, a patience that flows out of His love. And last of all, it leads to bearing with each other and forgiving one another if you have a grievance, a complaint against each other. Love has no place for grudges. No place for holding on to your anger even after the other person has repented. You'll sometimes hear people saying, well sometimes you just have to sleep off your anger. Perhaps this is true on some occasions. But the driving force behind it, the idea behind it, cannot be that you just need time and then when you don't feel your emotions as strongly down the road, you will just forget about it. But we are called to give ourselves that time to work, to forgive. Forgiveness, not just forgetting being the aim. But this can only make sense if you remember the love of Christ. What do we mean by that? This is what he's calling us to here. Even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Remember what Jesus said about the woman who had lived a very sinful life in Luke 7, who came to him weeping and repentant. And he says, Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. Luke 4, 7, verse 47. Christ's love leads to our forgiveness. And the more you become aware of all that Christ has forgiven, all that needed to be forgiven, the more you begin to understand how deep the roots of your own sins go. How it's not just surface stuff, not just events here or there. And the fact that Christ's love for you still results in the forgiveness of all those sins. The more deeply you will love Christ. And as you truly understand, begin to understand more and more the depth of that forgiveness then to forgive someone else, especially somebody you love, brothers and sisters within the congregation as Paul is pointing to here. It becomes a much smaller thing in comparison. If you are rooted in Christ's love for you yourself, loved ones then to have that love overflow to each other becomes much more natural to forgive one another and to let go of grudges becomes something that is freeing it becomes a reflection of the grace that was first shown to you so understanding all of that then it becomes much more clear how the rest of this reminder follows over all of these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. The word for binding here is a picture of chains that can't be broken or the ligaments of a body that keep all the body parts joined together and working together in perfect harmony, in unity. This love of Christ with which you were first loved which is the foundation, which is What feeds everything that follows now comes out to the top as well. And as we express it in our own lives, it chains all of these virtues together. If you keep Christ's love at the forefront of your earthly relationships with each other, then the rest will follow. It will spill over into every other part of your life. And the final result will be a life and relationships shaped by peace and overflowing with thankfulness. This brings us to our third point. This is our foundation. This is the place from where we begin to progress in these various virtues. That we are God's people, holy and deeply loved. But in order to continue and to flourish and to grow in this, we must constantly be reminded of who Christ is and what he has done. We are always called to be returning again and again to him, to have him as our home base, so to speak. And that's what we find here in verse 15. We read, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you are called to peace. And be thankful. When you focus on the love of Christ and living out of that, bearing his image in your life and identifying with him, peace and gratitude are two things that come out as fruit of that. They're two things that begin to shape your life. And that peace. Is a twofold peace. First, you have peace because there is no more uncertainty anymore where you stand before God. You are chosen holy and dearly loved as one who has put their faith in Him. And where you're secure in that, your life will also reflect these virtues of Christ, which lead to peace before man especially among one another as members of the body of Christ, which is to say members of his congregation. That's, that's what members of the body refers to here in our passage. You seek these virtues because you are secure in Jesus. You love the Lord, and you want to magnify him, to make his name great through your relationships by expressing the love that he first had for you. And that's despite what others think or do. But as you begin to live the life out of love, as the congregation as a whole begins to interact with each other, each and every single person moving forward in the same way, a life without grudges, a life of patience, compassion, kindness, humility, and gentleness. The peace of Christ, the second peace, grows. When between you and your fellow believers, it becomes a natural byproduct of the love of Christ. More than just those two aspects of peace, gratitude begins to shape every day as well. As we, as a congregation here in Owen Sound, focusing on the love of Christ as our motivation, as we focus on the love of Christ as our motivation, we become more and more aware that every moment of every day that He's given us is a gift. And we also become aware that as we deal with difficult situations, we become aware of the immense sacrifice and love that Christ had in dealing with all of us, we ourselves were difficult too, enemies of Christ apart from him, in fact, and yet he chose you, He chose you to be holy and dearly loved. and as we begin to show each other and others around the same grace that is shown, we become even more grateful and aware of that grace and love. And we live in gratitude, enjoying the fruits of that grace and love as it spills over to each other and as we grow as a congregation together. But we are such forgetful creatures. And so last of all, he gives us the gift of reminding us, reminding us to always return to home base, He's given us the ability to always look to the source of our love, what Jesus Christ has done for you. He's given us the gospel of salvation, his word which speaks of God's mercy and grace to us so that we can never forget what he has done. Use this to remind yourself of the love of Christ as a resource to spur yourself on That's what comes out in verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. Reading the Bible together and singing together with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs reminds us daily of what Christ has done points us back to the gospel time and time again. Loved ones, let the miracle of Christ's love move you to musical praise, whether you sing out loud or sing along to music in your hearts. Let the words of Scripture and the rhythms of Scripture put to music move through your days and shape them. Let your days be filled with singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Seek to do all this in the name of Jesus. Let your friends and family know as you grow in grace that it is in the name of Jesus. After all, it's because of him that it's happening. Is that not a reason to share it with others with joy? So, brothers and sisters, And boys and girls, remind yourselves you are chosen, holy, and dearly loved. Remind yourselves that you have the opportunity to reflect the love of Jesus Christ every day. Remind yourselves in every way that you can through singing, through speaking, and through living. And live the grace that you have been shown overflowing to those around As you find yourselves being shaped like this in your dealings with each other, growing in love, compassion, and grace, remember who it came from. In words and actions, doing it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him, and love him who first loved us. Amen.